If chocolate is your weakness, the real chocolate decadence of Flava Naturals Performance Dark Chocolate can be your strength. Extensive research demonstrates the remarkable benefits of daily cocoa flavanols on brain and heart function, including a recent Harvard study showing a 27% reduction in cardiovascular death. The FDA recently issued a qualified health claim saying that high flavanol cocoa powder may help prevent cardiovascular disease. It may even be a helpful tool in managing cognitive decline. Flava Naturals Dark Chocolate Bars and Cocoa Powder deliver five to nine times the flavanols of typical dark chocolate with great flavor and minimal sugar. Their secret is sourcing premium high flavanol cocoa beans and processing them naturally. The result is decadent dark chocolate with the flavanol levels needed to fuel brain and cardio performance. I use it every day. For more information and to order, just go to flavanaturals.com. There you'll find the extensive research behind cocoa flavanol's benefits and great recipes too. That's flavanaturals.com. Welcome to the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Today, we're doing something a little bit different, a crossover event. You hear my appearance on the First Lady of Nutrition Podcast with Anne Louise Gittleman, a longtime colleague and friend, continually breaking new ground in integrative and functional medicine. Anne Louise is a top nutritionist who's internationally recognized as a pioneer in dietary, longevity, environmental, and women's health issues. She's been a frequent guest on Intelligent Medicine, and now I'm her guest, and we discuss how I got here. In other words, a little bit of background on my personal career and where I'm at now, and we also Tease to some of her exciting work that will be the subject of an upcoming podcast that has to do with the remarkable properties of a common vitamin, vitamin B1. But when used the right way, high-dose vitamin B1 has tremendous potential, according to Anne Louise. So now here's Anne Louise Gittleman. Enjoy. Hey everyone, Anne Louise Gittleman here for First Lady of Nutrition. Make sure you visit me at annelouise.com or fatflush.com or smoothiejakedown.com for all our latest and greatest diets that will allow you to lose weight and feel great. And today you're going to lose weight and feel great as you listen to Dr. Ronald Hoffman, who is recognized as one of our country's foremost complementary medicine practitioners. And he's one of my top 10 favorite docs of all time. Listen in as Dr. Hoffman and I share the latest and greatest about our favorite supplements and trends in health and healing. So, Dr. Hoffman, I have known you for about 30 years, and you are one of the most influential and premier integrative medical docs in the USA. How did you get to where you are today? Well, you know, some of it was uh, serendipity. (laughs) uh, I love serendipity, by the way. (laughs) Well, there's a lot of serendipity involved. So uh, (laughs) just, I mean, uh, I guess to to start from the beginning, uh, when I was a kid, uh, I was always interested in sciencey stuff, and I was uh, the weird kid in class who, you know, at the age of eight or nine, was dissecting earthworms. Mm. And then I begged my mom to bring home 
uh, all kinds of weird stuff from the butcher, like bring me a heart, bring me a kidney, bring me an eyeball. Mm. And, uh, you know, I would proceed to, uh, uh, you know, use a little manual and, you know, a little uh, kid's scalpel to uh, uh, dissect it. You know, I was always trying to take things apart. Um, then it became, I became sort of like a, a science whiz in high school. I took all these advanced placement science courses. And then I kind of got burned out on sciences. And I went to college. Uh, I, I traveled from Southern California, where I grew up in, in Santa Monica, California, to New York to attend Columbia where, University. Where did you grow up? I didn't know you were from California. Santa Monica, California. Oh, my favorite city. Yeah, I, I grew up in paradise. You uh, did? The Beach Boys went to my high school. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, my God. What a claim to fame. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so then I went to New York, and I... I, I turned to liberal arts and I became an anthropology major because that, that fascinated me, you know, the origins of man. But uh, I neglected to take any science courses because I'd already taken so, many, so much science and I was kind of sick of it. Uh, so I took all these liberal arts courses and, you know, anthropology courses. Uh, and I graduated into a, a recession in 1974. And as an anthropology graduate, I had very little prospect for a job, but I finally landed a job with the city of New York and I worked for the city of New York for three years, which was interesting. And then uh, I was in my early twenties and I said, is this really something that I want to do for the rest of my life? Uh, because best case scenario, I might end up, you know, assistant commissioner of sanitation, you know, at the age of 45 or something like that. And, but, you know, being a city bureaucrat did not interest me as a career path. And then I kind of harkened back to uh, my science background. And around that time, uh, I was also experimenting with a lot of things like macrobiotics. I was a disciple of Michio Kushi. I was part of his inner circle and I was studying homeopathy and I was doing yoga and I studied acupuncture. I got very interested in what was then termed alternative medicine. Uh, and then I said, well, you know, this interest, uh, you know, maybe I could become a holistic doctor, mm. but I hadn't taken any sciences. So I had to go back to school and in a cram fashion, take biology, chemistry, calculus, uh, and physics, and then organic chemistry and all the prerequisites for med school in record time. And then I applied to medical school and then I got in. And in medical school, I, I kind of became a stealth medical student because I knew that at the end of that process, I was going to go into integrative medicine, but I had to kind of keep my cards close to my vest. Mm. But even during medical school, and I just, by the way, I just attended my 40th med school reunion. And, uh, you know, I talked to some of my, my fellow students and reminded them that I had headed something called the nutrition study group in, you know, night in the, I guess it was 1980. 1979 and 1980. And even then I was interested in nutrition. Actually, one of my jobs to help put myself through medical school was I, I taught a cooking class. Oh, wow. It, it was like, it was, but it was vegetarian cooking. It was like with these exotic things like tofu, tempeh, uh, and, you know, how to cook rice and beans and seaweed and things like that. Cause at the time I was a vegan and, you know, so I made a little money doing that to get, you know, part to phrase in my cost in medical school. And 
Yeah, I graduated medical school and I went into a residency in internal medicine in here in New York, Bellevue, NYU, and uh, Veterans Administration. And I, I love the blood and guts medicine. I mean, I just love doing these harrowing procedures and, uh, you know, dealing with critically ill patients. But I knew that at the end of that process, I was going to kind of drop out of that and do my own thing, which at the end of my uh, medical residency, uh, I decided to do. And the, and my advisors were very disappointed in me because they said, hey, you know, you, you, you're really a very promising uh, young physician and, you know, you, there's some great fellowship opportunities. Would you want to become a cardiologist or do you want to become a, uh, you know, anologist of some kind? You know, which ology do you want to mm. pursue? And I said, no, nah, I think I'm just going to go into private practice uh, in the field of nutrition and integrative medicine. And my advisor said, oh, my goodness, does that mean you're going to just sit and talk to people about their diets? <laughs> And I said, well, that's not quite, but you know, that, that's sort of the idea. And I said, oh my goodness, uh, you won't make any more money than a psychiatrist, mm. which, which is the mm. ultimate put down, you know, because mm. like, you know, psychiatrists have to spend a lot of their quality time talking to people uh, and their income horizons are limited because how many people can you see if you're doing like, you know, 45, 50 minute sessions? Uh, so, uh, but then, you know, I did. And, I think it was around that time uh, that, or soon thereafter, that I met you. Uh, you know, within a few years of my being in integrated practice, and my ideas started to change. I started to think that maybe a vegan diet wasn't a panacea for every ailment. I mean, in those days, I think, as you'll remember, because I we share a common background from what I understand is that uh, you worked at Pritikin. So you were also uh, very much influenced by a, you know, kind of a, uh, you know, high fiber, uh, low fat diet paradigm, right? Yes, very much. And, so. and so we come from similar backgrounds, but you know what? I, I, I kind of harken back to the, the Hippocratic oath, you know, which is uh, this notion that doctors uh, should review science for the sake of their uh, their patients. And, you know, the, the premise is at first do no harm. And I started to think that maybe I should keep a more open mind to other types of paradigms. Like, for example, I was in New York and I uh, would frequently meet with Dr. Atkins, Dr. Mm, Robert my Atkins. Good, my good friend, may he rest in peace. Yeah. And, you know, so we actually would get together for meetings, uh, you know, the, lo the few local doctors that were then holistic doctors because there weren't that many of us. Mm. And, you know, I was always kind of point counterpoint with him because, you know, my notion was like, oh my goodness, all that fat and cholesterol is going to kill you. But I, I started opening my mind a little more to that paradigm of low carb dieting. And, and while I'm not someone who recommends a, you know, Atkins diet for everyone these days, uh, I'm very much convinced that some people really thrive on that kind of program. And I think you've also, and our evolution uh, professionally has been similar. kind of in parallel, similar along those lines is very that we recognize so. the benefits of that. You know, and I personally made some changes. I, I went from uh, being a total vegan, you know, where I had no animal protein virtually for, you know, maybe 10, 12 years to uh, I did a 180. I started consuming a lot of animal protein. And 
this was based on uh, the advice of a good colleague of mine, uh, who's Dr. Nick Gonzalez. Oh, may he uh, rest in peace. Another another great in the field uh, who was a cancer specialist. You know, for explain to our listening audience that there 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 are very few integrative cancer specialists who are really departing from. Uh, you know, doing very, very original work. And he was doing original work on metabolic typing. And his belief was yes. that there was no single diet for cancer. That yes. some cancer patients, certain cancers did well on a carnivore diet and some did well on a, you know, like a, a raw foods diet right. and every shade in between. Mm. And so I came to him and I had some health problems. I was becoming very allergic and I had itchy skin. And he, he said, oh, you know, uh, you need to eat more meat. I said, well, my goodness, I haven't eaten meat, I don't know, in like you know, <laughs> 15 years. I said, well, maybe I could have a couple of, you know, I, I could eat meat a couple of times a week. And he says, well, you need to eat meat about two, three times a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that just blew my mind. I said, well, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be okay. And he said, no, you'll be fine. I said, what do I have for breakfast? He said, I don't know, have a, have a lamb chop or have a steak. I said, what? <laughs> but- Lo and behold, it really agreed with my body and my those health conditions that were bothering me um, were turned around. So I, you know, by virtue of a better understanding of human physiology and variability and my own personal experience, it kind of opened up the lens to a, you know, to a diet that incorporated animal protein, uh, but good quality animal protein, because Nick Gonzalez is all about organic, you know. Uh, you know, I would meet him in the street, you know, shopping and his shopping bag was full of fresh organic vegetables and, you know, grass fed meat. Um, and you know, this is, uh, much closer to the way that I think these days. So, so what do you see happening these days? And, and I agree with everything you said, our paths are very, very similar, but where do you think we're going? We seem to be very extreme. Are you a big believer in the keto, the dirty keto, the green keto, the keto green shakes? What do you think? Where do you think we're going? And are we going in the right direction? You know, just as in the political realm, I see a lot of polarization diet world Mm -hmm. and you know on social media there's these diet wars and these guys who are you know like taking their shirts off and like showing how how shredded they look because they're either on a their vegan diet or they're on their uh carnivore diet Mm -hmm. and it's it it is not nuanced to say the least Mm -hmm. and i i think we need to take a more nuanced approach we need really to focus on personalized nutrition i don't think there's one size fits all uh, I also think that there are many different paths. I mean, some people uh, can thrive on a variety of diets, and we maybe make too much of a big deal about that. And you know, what we need to focus on are the real verities about diet, which is to focus on uh, avoidance of ultra-processed foods first and foremost, uh, food that is like combustible fuel food, food that's hyper palatable that makes us crave more and eat more and get hooked. Um, and, uh, you know, and to, and to kind of hew to the science, not so much the ideology of this, because the food fights, they're getting kind of tedious, I think. <laughs> uh, and so uh, in my practice, I mean, I got to say that I do favor uh, a diet which incorporates some animal protein, lots and lots of plant food, low glycemic index diet, mm-hmm. but 
it depends. You know, you've got to dial down the carbs when you have metabolic syndrome, high triglycerides, and, you know, you have a big belly and you need to lose weight. But some people at a very high end of performance um, and with a fast metabolism can do well on a mixed diet. So, yeah. And so, um, and, w- and what do you think of some of the latest trends in fasting, intermittent fasting, autophagy? What's your feeling about all that? I think that there's a benefit to be had from those things. Um, You know, I got to say that as I uh, get a little older, I think I get a little less extreme in my views about these things. Yes, I Uh, was just thinking the same. Yeah, because I think, uh, unfortunately, I think there is a a fine line between these kind of practices and and a sort of an obsessiveness that borders on an eating disorder. And for some patients, uh, these kind of practices can trigger um, what's called disordered eating, you know, like, which basically boils down to, you know, the, the old, uh, the old nursery rhyme about the little girl, when she was good, she was very, very good. And when she was bad, she was very, very bad. You know, that's how our, some of our patients are. And so we don't want to encourage that, that kind of extremism. Uh, on the other hand, you know, I think it was um, Barry Goldwater who once said that um, extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice. Yeah, I would paraphrase that by saying extremism in the in the, in the in the service of good health is no vice. You know, sometimes people really need to get very stringent about diet to turn that Titanic around because they're headed for an iceberg. Yeah, and you know, it's it's called you know all hands on deck, do everything you can. Do you think there are any cutting edge nutrients we should know about? You used to be a big fan of NAD. Are you still enamored with it? Yes, thanks for reminding and thanks for remembering that. Uh, so there is a lot of controversy about NAD. And I follow uh, that controversy because there's some people who believe that inherently oral uh, or even intravenous uh, NAD preparations, either nicotinamide riboside, NR, or NMN, uh, which, by the way, is supported by one of the world's top anti-aging experts, David Sinclair. Mm-hmm. Um, he's no slouch in the anti-aging field, although some people demean him because they feel he's promoting his commercial product. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, it's claimed that while you can achieve higher blood levels by taking it by mouth, it just doesn't go to the cell where it needs to be utilized. Well, to me, that doesn't explain quite a few studies that show improvements in performance associated with or perform, uh, improvements in, uh, say, uh, uh, oxidative status, uh, inflammation, you know, cytokines that show actually a biological effect of taking this stuff. So it really is worthless and it's not absorbed and it doesn't go into the cell. It doesn't work in the mitochondria as a mitochondrial powerhouse, how does that explain some of these findings? So I, I got to say, I, I have an open mind because this paradigm may ultimately crash and burn, but I personally take a, a nicotinamide riboside uh, on, a, on a regular basis. I don't, I don't know if you do. Uh, are you, I, are you I, a fan I, of that? 
I do based upon the recommendations of a 94-year-old urologist who was losing his eyesight. He started mm-hmm. taking one of the products that's heavily promoted online, and he's yeah. retaining his eye, his eyesight. So, and, and that yes. suggests a, a real, like a powerful effect on the mitochondria because we know that those receptors in the eye are very avid for energy. And when they begin to fade in their energy production, then, you know, vision lapses. And so it's plausible that, uh, you know, it's, it sounds like, um, you know, like uh, some kind of weird thing when you restore vision through a supplement, but it's plausible. It ha- it ha- it's happened to him, and he's very conventional, very traditional, and so mm-hmm. he's implored me to take it just for preventive purposes. So I like any. Well, there you go. So I I take yeah. that. What do you think of all the new biohacking trends? Uh, well, give me an example. I you know because there's there's a I mean like cold immersion things yeah, like let's that. Talk Are you about thinking about cold plunges for dopamine? My favorite topic these days. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay. I mean, I have done this, uh, but it was kind of an experiment of necessity because like uh, in New York, everything closed down in 2020 and I'm an avid uh, swimmer. So it was fine. You know, I would go out to the beach and I would go swimming, but then the gyms didn't open as the season waned, you know, into September, October, November. And uh, I've got a wetsuit. And so I kept swimming. Uh, my record was, I think I swam to until like Thanksgiving oh my God. and the water gets a little cold here on Long Island. <laughs> I, I would say. And so I kind of did an experiment in cold immersion and I, I think there really is something to it. Um, it it's kind of hard to bring yourself to it because it, it's, it's aversive. It's unpleasant. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not someone who welcomes cold showers because you can do it. You can fill your bathtub up with, uh, you know, cold water and ice cubes and you can do it at home. You don't need like a fancy, you know, setup or even access to a lake or a beach. But, you know, I kind of like that idea because, you know, this, this thing hormesis, which is uh, a little bit of something that doesn't kill you, makes you stronger. I, it really appeals to me. And especially as one ages, I think we're so uh, coddled and comforted. Um, there is a, an interesting book, and I forget the name of the guy who wrote it, but it's called The Comfort Crisis. And it kind of uh, suggests that we have a plague in our modern lives of uh, comfort, you know, temperature control, especially, you know, like thermal thermal regulation in our environments, uh, but also, uh, you know, hot and cold running food, you know, never without access to food, never a need to fast or be hungry. Uh, never need to be bored because we've got our devices all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it's not, it's not paleo, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, also just e- extreme physical efforts, unless we self-impose them are rare. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I think uh, part of what I try to do as an anti-aging strategy is expose myself to things that are challenging, you know, mm-hmm. among which is, you know, it's a little cold. So yeah, suck it up, get in, get in the cold water, do it. <laughs> well, what do you think of the hyperbaric oxygen pr- treatments? I, I think that that has a lot of potential. Uh, the question is, uh, does the average healthy person uh, benefit from it? Or is it specifically good for certain conditions like post-stroke? Uh, or is it good for 
optimizing wound healing, you know, some of the more uh, traditional applications. Um, you know, th there's actually, there's some counter evidence on that, which is that people who live at altitude where the oxygen is, is depleted may be healthier, you know, uh, because again, that's hormesis. That's their body responding to a stressor. Mm -hmm. uh, so, um, you know, I, it, I, it's one of those things that um, I think we need to do more research on. Uh, again, how many things can you do to optimize? I mean, there are, I think there are, you know, some of these uh, Silicon Valley types who are just doing it all. You know, they're taking, um, you know, all the life extension things. Uh, maybe they're taking, uh, you know, that there's uh, vampire blood treatments. They're getting, <laughs> uh, you know, blood from uh, co-eds, young co-eds, healthy young co-eds or, you know, athletes and transfusing themselves with the blood. Oh, to I, haven't, I haven't heard of that. Yeah. Oh, my, God, uh, my goodness. Uh, yeah. I mean. What uh, they won't think of. Yeah, I mean, there, but actually, even there's some biological plausibility to that, you know, because there may be some elixir, some elixir of youth that is transmitted through uh, blood products. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, uh, do you know? Do all those efforts, you know, are they good and sound for a balanced life? Uh, you know, which. Uh, may be associated with a greater degree of uh, altruism and less self-focus and a focus on uh, longevity rather than, you know, quality of life and quality of experiences. Mm. It, it, it can get to be kind of a grim preoccupation. I think. <laughs> but, you know, many people are also, I guess they're decoding their DNA. How do you feel about mm -hmm. that? Well, okay, and thank learning you for about your me genetic predispositions and what you can do yeah. with genetics uh, and so forth. So, I, I kind of uh, a couple of years ago, I, I did a deep dive on that and began to study uh, genetics and nutrigenomics, and I even explored uh, evaluating some of my patients using some of the commercially available tests. And there, I think there's tremendous potential for that. Mm -hmm. However, uh, I began to be a little wary of that. And the, and the reason why is that uh, you can develop some insights about what people should do, what supplements people should take, even what medications people should be on to optimize their health and longevity. Um, but uh, there's... It's so complicated. And there's a couple of ways where it's complicated is that most things are determined by many genes. So when I got my first report, I go, you know, they, they report things out as like, like red light, green light, yellow light, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of what the implications are to overly simplistic, but you know, it's a way of visually depicting what the, what the, how do they interpret the genes? And I, and I looked at my cognitive genes of which there was like, you know, a whole page. And I said, Oh my God, look at all these reds. But then there were some yellows and then there were some greens. 
And then I talked to, you know, I, I said, I got to talk to the lab director who's an expert in genetics. What does this mean? Just, oh my God, you've got really good cognitive genes. I said, yeah, but what about all the red ones? They go, but the green ones outweigh the red ones. <laughs> so what you have to do is, I, look, in the future, you know, AI has a lot of potential here because I don't, my puny brain or even the brain of somebody who's really well-schooled cannot weigh all these things together, but you can apply machine learning and AI to these patterns. And I think that's what's going to happen is that they're going to actually be able to come up with a probabilistic assessment that can be crunched by a computer that can think a lot faster than a person and aggregate these things. Okay. So that's, it's complicated. Number one, number two, as you know, Emery, it is, there's epigenetics, mm -hmm. which means your genes are not your fate. So mm -hmm. you have these BRCA1, BRCA2 nightmare genes for breast cancer, ovarian cancer, but they don't always uh, predict your fate. And it, it, they actually have done studies with this Alzheimer's uh, gene that shows that if you have the E4 the dreaded E4 gene mm. that through lifestyle, combination of lifestyle habits, supplements, exercise, sleep, you name it, that you can overcome the downside of that, even that. And I just saw something on diabetes just came out where there's certain genes that predict, highly predict uh, diabetes. I mean, you see that. You see like people with families, they, everybody gets diabetes, like, oh, your father, your mother, everybody's overweight. Everyone has hypertension, diabetes, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But even under those circumstances where the genes mean you have three times the risk for diabetes, if you follow a good lifestyle, you can have a lower risk than people with the good genes who have a bad lifestyle. Yeah. So how about that? So that's that that complicates things with this with the genes thing. The genes are not your fate. They can give us a little bit of insight, but they don't always uh, tell you what is going on. I agree. Last but not least, let me ask you about something that I've become very enamored with. I guess you say enamored of, and that is high dose th thiamine. Are you aware of all the research that's out there now about thiamine B one? Well, you know, I early on. Uh, I was a colleague of uh, Derek Lonsdale. You know, oh, he's he, like, is, like he a mentor. Still, is he still living, Dr. He's, he's, as far as I'm concerned, he's still alive. He's really ancient. I mean, he's got to be pushing 100 or maybe he's a centenarian now. Yeah. Uh, but he wrote the book on thiamine, as you know. And uh, he's all about the benefits of thiamine. But what, what do you have to offer on thiamine? Because I, I believe it's really helpful. Certain thiamines are helpful for diabetic neuropathy. I just had a patient who... I had really bad neuropathy and, you know, we gave him, of course, the benfotiamine and we gave him, you know, acetylcarnitine and things like that, that are good for neuropathy and uh, got him on a better diet. And his neuropathy has almost gone away. And it was so painful. He was like walking on, you know, pins and needles. Uh, so uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a believer, but do you see it as a, having more wide reaching implications for the average person to yes, take a lot of ice, precursor uh, a lot of thiamine precursor, precursor to dopamine they're using it for parkinson's which is the fastest growing wow. yes that's a pearl i had not realized that i've got to you know do a deep dive on that 
And yeah. there's some on and there's good research online with an Italian neurologist that did the initial research. People are talking about it all over the place. Either, but it's very very high dose. It's two to four grams of thiamine hydrochloride, wow. or two one hundred mg's of intramuscular shots. Mm -hmm. Which I it's a, one of the less toxic uh, nutrients, so that shouldn't be even be a problem. I don't see a big downside to that. And there's a real, um, I'm, I'm actually using it and it's extraordinary, extraordinary. Your, what's your personal experience taking high dose uh, thiamine? Do you find it's that it energizes you? you? Very much so. I can be on that bike now for an hour. <laughs> on the Okay. Bike. Yeah, for well, me. Well, maybe, maybe I'll bring you over to my side on, on my program and we'll make that a theme uh, for uh, be picking your brains on, on thiamine if that's your favorite new subject. It's my favorite new subject. I find that it works. I, I, I have a dopamine deficiency, so I know I need it. And who knew that the happy vitamin would be so helpful for, for the brain? So yeah, I'm a big fan. There's a lot of good research. And thank God that Lonsdale did the book so many years ago. Do you have, are you, a, is it a COMT gene? Uh, I just discovered, uh, yes, I, I have that. I, your valve valve yes okay so so you're underproducing i guess the um i i must be i just discovered yeah. that and then i took a i took a nuclear test i've had some issues since covid and we're deficient in dopamine so mm -hmm. at least i discovered it i'm being proactive i'm taking the shots and i find it extraordinarily helpful well that's a real pearl i i think we should uh, you know, have a deeper conversation on that on on my podcast. So, I'm going to do a. I'll get a little uh, do a little homework on that, and maybe we can schedule you for uh, intelligent medicine. I mean, we'll we'll broadcast this on intelligent medicine as a kind of a teaser, but um, yeah, that might be a. It's a good, good stuff. Uh, You're going to be really delighted. So, what are you up to now? Are you no longer at your premier holistic center in New York? Well, what I've done is I've, I've sort of downsized to a what is a consultative practice. I used to have like you know, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen people working for me, you know, in various departments, and I used to do a lot of IV therapy and allergy testing and uh, and you know various types of treatments. And now it's mostly I talk to people about what they should be doing, and you know there are other people out there who can carry out the. Uh, requirements. If people need chelation therapy, I can refer them. Uh, if they need, you know, certain types of uh, allergy treatment, we can arrange for them to get treated. But a lot of what I accomplish is by just telling people about diet, adjusting their supplement programs uh, and so on. So, yeah. Excellent. Are you still active on WOR? Uh, WR is no longer carries my program, but I'm active on something called Radio America. Now, Radio America has affiliates across the United States. It doesn't have a strong affiliate in New York, but these days a lot of people listen online. Yes, and very it's, true. Very you can true. listen. You can listen live, but it's also discretionary. You know, people. It uh, every broadcast that we do live becomes a podcast. We, we're on Saturdays from noon to two Eastern time, but uh, it becomes a podcast on Monday, and people can. Uh, reprise the show and so uh, but it enables me to have live interaction with callers which is great and uh so yeah i, I enjoy radio it, i'm very comfortable doing it i've been doing this since 1988 believe it or oh, not you're, you're such a natural yeah and so i just once uh you know i i 
I can't quit it. <laughs> it's, just, uh, it's, I, it's, I, it's in my biorhythm, you know, like, okay, it's time for, no, it's, in it's your time DNA. to get ready for a ready. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is probably in my DNA by now. Well, so, thank uh, you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I, I can't wait to talk about Thyman with you at a later date. Okay. We'll arrange that. Uh, that's great. So thanks. And uh, so uh, I just mentioned for listeners who are, want more information, drhoffman.com. It's a place to go. I love it. So thank you, dear listeners, for listening in yet once again to First Lady of Nutrition. Have a week full of health, healing, shalom, uvracha, and high vitamin B1. This episode of Intelligent Medicine is brought to you by Youthful Energy, providing you with a unique energy support of pure NT Factor. NT Factor is the only nutritional formula clinically proven to reduce fatigue, whatever the cause, age, illness, or just being run down. NT Factor from Nutritional Therapeutics repairs damaged cells and restores healthy bacteria in your digestive tract. Clinical trials have shown NT Factor reduces fatigue by almost half, and it even reverses some symptoms of aging. I've been taking NT Factor for years. With a 45-day money-back guarantee, you have nothing to lose. To order, call 800-982-9158, 800-982-9158, or go to ntfactor.com. That's ntfactor.com. You know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. That's why I partnered with Fullscript an online dispensing platform that only offers curated professional-grade brands that I know and trust. The very same supplements that I prescribe to my patients and take myself. Never counterfeit or expired, always stored and shipped correctly. Just go to DearHoffmanStore.com to start your free Fullscript account. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site. It's safe, secure, and HIPAA-compliant and offers world-class support. Fullscript also gives you access to my custom targeted supplement protocols that combine the products that I recommend to address specific needs, heart health, immune support, and much more. Just go to DearHoppinStore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll get access to the supplements and features you need to help you achieve your wellness goals. That's DearHoppinStore.com. DearHoppinStore.com.